Let's talk about movies. everybody welcome to you have to watch this podcast i'm alan i'm ryan and i'm devin and today we're going to be talking about the alfred hitchcock classic psycho not the remake the original um uh yeah so we're going to get into that here shortly uh this is ryan's pick for the week but before we do that we like to talk about things in pop culture that we have seen over the last week or so um Sadly, the Ted Lasso finale is not out yet, so we can't talk about that, but I am ready for it. Is it tonight? It, it, it's tonight. Uh, I'm ready for it on one level, and the other level, I'm dreading it because I've already cried once today. I don't need to do it again. Uh, <laughs> but we like to talk about things that we saw in pop culture, and I've got a pretty long story to tell you guys about my weekend because um, I made the pilgrimage to... Smod Castle Cinemas in, in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey, and saw the director cut, director's cut of Jersey Girl. I want everyone that's listening to know that I asked about this twice before the podcast, and Alan refused to say anything about it, specifically to tell us now. I cannot wait to hear well, about it. Let, let, before I get into the movie itself, let me tell you yeah. about the Smod Castle experience and why I am hell-bent on getting both of you out there. <laughs> Okay. Um, sadly, it's not going to work for next weekend, but if it, if it did, oh, man. Um, so you go into Smod Castle. I think I sent you guys some pictures of the, the murals he has on the wall. All actors from New Jersey. Um, and then the walls of the, the like the hallways of the theater are just lined with movie posters. Uh, like there was a like Russian Goodwill hunting poster. A bunch of dogma stuff. Uh, by the concession stand, there's a letter from Ben Affleck to Kevin Smith during dogma. A whole bunch of cool stuff. And that was amazing. We get there for the showing at 5 o'clock. We don't get to our seats until about 4.55. And then wow. about 5.15... Um, Oh, good. My food's on its way that I just ate. Uh, <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Uh, about 5.20, they finally start uh, getting things ready on the stage. I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then about 5.30, Kevin Smith comes out and is like, before we do the movies, we do auctions here at Smod Castle Cinemas. So they ra- to raise money for the theater because they're not a chain, to get some extra revenue in, they do an auction and Kevin Smith is the auctioneer. I will, I would go back and pay $50 just to watch him be an auctioneer because it was amazing. This was the first time I've ever been in a Kevin Smith crowd. Like while he's doing a show, the man just oozes charisma. Like it's so, he's so good with a crowd. The crowd work was fantastic. People were like bidding out 69 and four twenties left and right and 37 because it's clerks. And every time he's like, nice. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and they auctioned off some really cool one of a kind things, uh, which some of it I showed you guys. Uh, I waited a while. A lot of the things were out of my price range. Like the posters that were signed by Ben Affleck and, um, sure. They that was out of my price range, but what did that was, start at? If you don't mind, what is that? Two, like, what is a that, poster? That, that post Netflix that start? poster started at two hundred, I think. Whoa! Because okay. it was also signed by um, Liv Tyler and um, Kevin Smith and wow. Jersey Girl herself, whose name I'm blanking on. Uh, but she was there as well. Um, but they did some cool things. They did posters. They did figures. They did pins. All of it autographed. Um, what I was able to get that I showed you guys was an autographed copy of the screen screenplay for Clerks 3, signed by Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, Jeff Anderson, Brian O'Halloran, and um, 37 herself. It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. I, um, I paid 75 for this. And this oh. was... The, it was funny because he auction goes to auction this off and it's dead silent. 
And I just like, my wife is reading the other thing that I got. And she's like, I was like, can, can I, can I? And she's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And just kept reading. Uh, and I was like, I'll take it. He's like sold. So oh, me, wow. yeah. So I got it. I didn't have to bid for it or anything. I was just like, I'll take it for 75 because I collect screenplays and clerks. is one of my favorite movies of last year. So, I mean, that's such an incredible thing for specifically you to get. Cause it's your collection and it's yes. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, let me tell you about the other thing that I got. The thing that my wife was reading while we were, <laughs> while, while I was getting the, the screenplay. So, the main reason that I went, we went to see Jersey Girl is that movie changed a lot in post-production. Um, most of it through test screenings. And Kevin Smith had the results of those test screenings that he was giving out. He had six. They did six test screenings that they compared notes for. Um, the, the, like the first one that changed the whole trajectory of the movie went for like 300 bucks. I got wow. one for like 50 it's like the fourth one so right here like from mirror max (laughs) is all of the notes from the test screenings and my wife's looking at it uh you can compare the uh the performance relationship ratings for each uh character raquel castro that's the that's the actress who played uh gertie um like she she was solid. She scored seventy four percent in the first one, seventy seven in the second one, seventy three, seventy seven, uh, which which is above the norm of forty percent. So like it's a whole bunch of like data for Jersey Girl and how they how the movie changed over time, uh, and it talks about things that were cut from the movie, and it it's fascinating stuff that I cannot wait to let you guys read, uh, but absolutely one of a kind. <laughs> for this one it's, in, so. it's incredible i can't believe they had that for sale dude kevin smith's moving so he was like cleaning out his office it was a lot of stuff like this it was this kind of thing blueprints for like the house in jersey girl wow yeah so i thought about getting blueprints but i was like mm, this is cooler like th- this this <clears throat> fascinates me and all the <clears throat> statistics my my wife who's a math teacher was like oh yeah this is cool like i could use this <laughs> What, so hold so, on. What is like the the most interesting thing you found in there? Like if you could narrow down on one. I haven't looked at it yet because okay. I was busy paying attention to the auction. She was reading it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they had a lot of things. Like if they do that every show, like I need to be more prepared next time. So. Fair. Um, that being said, I saw the director's cut of Jersey Girl. Holy crap, guys. Okay. Everything I told you about what that movie was going to be from what I saw was cut, like the whole speech and everything. It's there. It's oh, wow. absolutely there. You don't, you don't meet Gertie, the, the little girl until about 45 minutes into the movie. There's wow. 45 minutes of JLo. Um, the biggest thing in the first act that I think stands out is when Ben Affleck learns that his wife dies. Spoilers for Jersey Girl. They don't cut to music. They don't fade out. The camera just pulls back and Ben Affleck just loses it. Like, oh, it's wow. it's powerful. They did it in one take. Um, but he just, like, loses it. And then they move on to the funeral scene. Like, And it stays on him, too. Like, it's not like a moment. Like It's not like a brief moment. It's like a minute of just Ben Affleck breaking down why did they cut that uh i can tell you why they cut that because in the you have it. in the very first one of these they talked about somebody laughed in the theater at that moment oh <laughs> and they had to cut it um the good news is uh supposedly uh, when he announced this screening of the director's cut of Jersey Girl, uh, Paramount, who owns Miramax now, was like, you've got what now? One, pay us. Really? Two, uh, maybe we should uh, talk about doing this for the 20th. When is the 20th? Is next year. Oh, shoot. So maybe we'll be able to watch the director's cut of Jersey Girl. Would you recommend it, though? Like, would yes. you say that this is a better cut of Jersey Girl? Absolutely. I yeah. 
I there were moments where it's like, okay, there, there's definitely some fat to be trimmed on the movie, but overall, like, there's a whole like the whole Sweeney Todd thing yeah. gets set up with J Lo. Does it really? Yeah, like there there are three moments with Sweeney Todd. There's the the musical moment at the end. There's them going to see it on Broadway, but before all of that, on their first date. They're talking Broadway shows, and she's like, "Well, did you ever see Sweeney Todd?" And he's like, "No, I've never, I've never seen it." And he's telling her about it, and he's just like eating a meat pie, and he's like, "Nope." That's so, very fun. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, Devin, next time you're in town, because mm-hmm. it's not working out this time, no. we are going to see something at Smod Castle. I'm truly worried. I'm not going to be responsible during the auction scene. Or during the auction part of it at all, because yeah. everything sounds incredible. Like I want all of that. There, there were some really random stuff too. So, there were like crew shirts, like wrap gifts that they auctioned off. Uh, there was like a hoodie from Dogma that they auctioned off that went for way too much, and also wouldn't have fit me. Uh, mm-hmm. But some of his hockey jerseys, like Ryan, I almost bought you one of Kevin Smith's own hockey jerseys. Oh, incredible. Um. But also, like, a banner from when Kevin Smith turned, like, had his birthday on set for Jersey Girl. They made, like, a huge highway banner sign. Aww. Um, Yeah. A lot of weird stuff like that. But um, highly recommend it. We're going to have to uh, keep an ear out for if they ever do release it. But that was my that was my adventures in New Jersey. Didn't get out of the theater. The movie started at 5. It was supposed to start at 5. Did not leave the theater until 11.30. Holy cow. It was a and long How far night. of a drive is that? It was about three and a half hours. I didn't get home oh, until like 3 30. Right. Oh, Alan. Yeah. Worth it, next, though? Uh, yes. Next time, I'm going to make sure I book a hotel in advance because, and not on a holiday weekend. <laughs> good call. Very good call. So, but oh, yeah. That's incredible. That's, that's Jersey Girl, the Snyder Cut. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, the other thing. Uh, which I almost bought one of these, but Kevin Smith went to Michael's and just got a bunch of blank canvases okay. and, and did drawings and auctioned them off like various sizes of white canvas. And he's like, all I can draw is bullwinkle. So it's just a bunch of bullwinkles. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's all he can yeah. draw. And it just said Jersey, Jersey moose and were like dated one of one and. That's very yeah. funny. How much did those go for? Like, what is it? What is a Jersey it, moose? I think it was very. It varied from fifty to two thousand or two hundred. Sorry, not two thousand. Man, I would like a Jersey moose. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> but Kevin Smith seems to be having a ball with his theater. So I, my wife and I were debating going back out this weekend for Hollywood Babylon, uh, which might happen. I'm not sure yet. But that would be very cool. Yeah. All right, uh, Devin, you you watched a thing as well. You're gonna I probably did. talk. You're probably gonna talk a lot less than I just did. So I, I can't tell us what even you imagine talking close to that. I watched Blackbird. Uh, it continues my trend of I haven't seen a single bad thing on Apple TV Plus yet. It's uh, it's really good. It's a, it's based on a true story. It's about um, somebody who a drug dealer essentially who goes to prison. And then is tasked with um, getting a confession from a serial killer in prison already. Gets sent to a much tougher prison and gets pressure put on him to do that thing. Uh, It's really good. The cast is phenomenal. Um, The guy, the main character in it, is the same guy that played Elton John in the Elton John biopic. Taron Taron Edgerton. I'm glad you said that because I don't think I've pronounced his name right once. And I say it differently every time. I think he was Tegan Egerton at one point. Uh, I try. But yeah, I mean, he's phenomenal. The the lay the lead killer guy is phenomenal. I mean, it's a really good show. It was recommended to me on a very kind of strange work trip in Edinburgh, and I think it was the only good thing to come from the trip. Okay. So yeah, recommended. Is it is it more dramatic, or it is? Okay. It's it's more dramatic. It's more tense. It's more you know true crimey, but. You know, I really enjoy that kind of thing sometimes. I don't watch true crime stuff all the time, and it's definitely not like a documentary series. It's more dramatic retelling. But, yeah, I every once in a while, those kinds of things just hit right for me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is what I'm into. 
So that's okay. what I do for my long weekend. Ryan, what did you do with your long weekend? I finished a book. That's what book? Uh, that Greg Griffin book, the the lead singer of Bad Religion. He came out with with a uh, he calls it a a memoir, pretty much about like his early life and the band stuff like that. It was good. If you're into did, bad religion, I recommend it. If you're not into bad religion, meh. <laughs> did you learn anything about him? Like anything oh, yeah. interesting? Yeah. Tell no, me. No. Tell me one uh, fact. Uh. I really put you on the spot here. That's so unfair of me, but that's okay. The guy that uh, the guy that assisted him to actually get his doctorate was one of Carl Sagan's best friends. That's incredible. Yeah. Cool. I yeah. I like that kind yeah. of stuff. I have to tell you both, I am obsessed, capital O obsessed with Terry Pratchett lately. Do you guys know him at all? I know Good Omens. That, yep, he did Good Omens with Neil Gaiman. Uh, he also has a 41-book series uh, called Discworld, and I am determined to read all of it. It's so good. His sense of humor is incredible. And this is all of, like, that's why I haven't been watching a lot lately is because I've been reading so much of his stuff. It's so good. That and your wife's not there to make you watch stuff with her. Also that. <laughs> Usually we'll have like something we watch over dinner. I don't do that anymore. Mm. Soon. Okay. She'll be back soon, thank goodness. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for our We Watch This segment. Let's get into the bulk of today's episode. Uh, the Alfred Hitchcock film, Psycho. Uh, Ryan, this is your pick, so I'm going to let you take point on it. and Take it away. Okay, so uh, Psycho, one of Albert Hitchcock's more well-known movies that came out in 1960. Um, I don't. Uh, I think it might have been one of his last, if not last, black and white film. Um, and it's a movie that I saw. This is the third. Uh, the time I watched it this weekend for this podcast was the third time I ever watched it. I saw it once when I was a kid, um, maybe like. 10 or 11 my parents were watching it so i just kind of zoned in and out playing with my toys so i don't so i don't really remember a lot of it second time i watched it i was in high school and thought wow this is really boring but interesting at the same time um (laughs) and then watching it this time i was like ah okay i actually really dig this compared to what i you know thought before um the reason why I watched it in high school again was was because my dad had me watch High Anxiety, the Mel Brooks movie that I'm working towards having these guys watch. And my dad wanted me to watch the movies that were key to that film and Mel Brooks's film um, so I could get the similarities between some of that movie and this one. Um, this is probably number two or three on my favorite Hitchcock movies um, at this point. Now that I've seen, watched it with like an adult brain. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, That's my little background on it. Uh, Now, how about you guys? Was this, I mean, obviously this was your first time for both of you, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So whoever wants to go first, how was your initial viewing? Devin, I feel like I talked a lot at the top of the show, so you can talk I got a you, bit man. more. So this is one of those cultural touchstone movies that like gets parodied in just about everything. And it's one of those movies, a bit like RoboCop, where I had just assumed, <laughs> I know what's going to happen in the movie. I've like seen enough parody. I've seen enough of this in pop culture. I don't need to watch the movie. And, and unless I was being entirely honest, because I'm, you know, I'm usually honest with you guys on the podcast... If anyone asked me, have you seen Psycho? I probably just would have said yes, I've seen Psycho. Uh, I was genuinely surprised by this movie. The movie actually held some like a twist in it that I didn't see coming, and I thought was very cool. Um, I think that a well-made movie is a well-made movie is a well-made movie, regardless of whether it's in black or in white or like it's incredible. And like I've seen people like lose their minds over the shower scene, so I was like ready for the shower scene. But it's a lot of the other scenes that I didn't know about that I think made the movie for me. And yeah, I yeah. just, I thought the whole thing was, was just, I mean, I like this better than the birds. This is now, this is number two favorite Hitchcock for me now. What's number for me, one? Vertigo. Okay, sorry. 
Sorry, Alan. <laughs> uh, for me, I kind of knew the twist coming. I knew the Did twist you? was coming. Yeah, I think I think we were talking about the same thing. Um, but like Devin said, like I I could probably list uh, a bunch of things that parody this. Mm-hmm. Um, first that comes to mind is uh, is Wayne's World with the donut <laughs> man. Um, but just that music alone you've heard over and over and over again Um, but even knowing the twists and turns that the movie takes I think it's still well delivered I think it the um, this would be one to watch if you don't know if you don't know what's going on I, I feel like this would be a really good one to like sink your teeth into but knowing it, it still works. Like knowing everything that's going to happen with Norman Bates and um, the shower scene, like everything, like knowing all of that, um, it still works. So hold on. One thing that shocked me about the movie, was it rated R for you guys too? I didn't even uh, check the rating. It wasn't rated by then. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, my I, so you guys had it on Netflix. I had to buy it on Amazon Video or Amazon Prime. And at the end of it, it was like this motion picture, like a big in big letters with like this motion picture was rated R. And I was so like, so I did so not it didn't show up till after you watched it. Yeah, that's weird. I did not have to watch this on Netflix. I I did what I usually do and searched it on my Apple TV to see who was streaming it, and it was it said next to it purchase it's like oh i own this that's weird <laughs> um because i back when i signed up for like movies anywhere or voodoo they gave you like five movies for free and this was one of them i just haven't watched it what a good um, idea well done past alan yeah oh <laughs> and netflix does have it rated r huh yeah i was gonna say it's rated r on my end too so on imdb but no, I didn't say anything about it. It just kind of faded out. So. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's weird British Amazon Prime. I, I, yeah. Weird and British are the same word. You don't need to say. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, that's totally so, fair. Okay, so uh, two things I want to touch on first. One is the fact that it is in black and white, and this movie came out in 1960. By 1960, the majority of all new films coming out were done in color. Mm-hmm. Um. The studio, though, Paramount, uh, that Hitchcock made this movie through, was so afraid that it wasn't going to make money because they thought it would be too disturbing for viewers to make enough money, um, that Hitchcock foregoed, and I'm going to read this, um, uh, Hitchcock, already a well-known director, needed to defer his standard $250,000 salary in lieu of a 60% of the film's gross. Paramount agreed to this deal, causing Hitchcock to um, instead receive over $15 million. (laughs) Was that the first time Hollywood ever did that? Because I feel like that's more common now. And, like, good for him. Yeah, so... It's probably early on for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I don't know about, you know, if that was the first time, if that was one of the first Mm -hmm. times or whatever, but... That's what he had to do. He was like, look, fine, I'll give up my salary. I want to do the, you know, it's like, I want to make this. I'll take 60% of the gross or whatever. And they were like, yeah, sure. It's, it's not going to make that much money. Go ahead. Um, so he did. So he did everything he could for this movie to make money during production. As in, he hired a TV crew and, instead of a movie crew. He hired more TV actors instead of well-known movie actors. He also opted to film in black and white instead of color to save money. So it wasn't so, even a style choice. It was this, It was a cost-cutting choice? Like Kevin Smith, yes. Like Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> to round it Bringing back. It full circle. Well done. <laughs> um, he even... Uh, what was this? Okay, so this movie was based off a book. Um... And Albert Hitchcock wanted this ending to be such a surprise to people that out of 
there were many things that we're going to talk about, about things that he did to make this a surprise for people. Um, but one of the things he did, he actually, um, he bought the rights anonymously to the book mm-hmm. that this movie's based off of and bought as many copies as he could for in 1959, 1958. He spent $9,000 buying all of the copies in circulation he could get after buying the rights to keep it off the shelf. Why? Because he didn't want people to know the ending. He didn't want people putting two and two together that the ending that, you know, that this movie's based off this book and this is what the ending is. That's incredible. Nowadays, they would slap a, like, soon-to-be Netflix series sticker on the book and sell more of them. Yeah. Um, wow. So other things that he did to to that extent was he per, um, he had movie theaters had to... Um, turn away people within 10 minutes of of the movie starting because he wanted anyone showing up for the movie to get the full experience from beginning to end so if you showed up like 10 like five minutes before the movie started you'd have to wait for the next showing well hold on i heard about this isn't this isn't it that before this movie and you guys have to correct me here because it's like an urban legend i heard before this movie people could just kind of show up at any point in a movie like catch the midpoint, watch till the end, and then stay for the next viewing or the next showtime to watch the beginning of it. Is that like well, somebody had told me that like theater was almost a revolving door until Psycho? It um at some movie theaters it was like that because remember the old like World War Two news update reels that yeah. you see. With, like, the real animated guys speaking over it, like, our troops are enjoying their time off. And then it would show them, like, at, like, a USO show or something. And, it, and like, cartoons and stuff. Those would play in between the movies. And kids would just hang out all day. That sounds like the life, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it could be. I don't know. I don't... I don't... I don't. I do not know movie theater history trivia as well as I probably should. <laughs> Alan, do you know this? Was that like? I don't true? know it. But to be fair, like that's any theater if you're sneaky enough. Even to <laughs> I mean, all right, that's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That makes oh, okay. sense. Like, yeah. I, feel, I feel like if that was the case, the anyone if anyone was going to change it, it was going to be Alfred Hitchcock. So mm-hmm. it's incredible. Yeah. So. Um, one of my favorite aspects about this movie now as an adult watching this, um, has got to be the growth or just the watching, uh, uh, Crane, the main character, the woman, um, well, I wouldn't really, the first main character of the movie, um, I'll put it that way. Uh, she watching her mental struggle from being at work being basically flirted with doing what she did and then eventually going you know i need to take all this back like i need to fix this and then she doesn't get the chance and that's my favorite aspect of the story um looking at it now what what do you guys think of that what's yours i mean which 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 part of whose stories whose characters thing is your favorite I I think what I like about this the most is how it plays with your expectations so much uh, because it does have that shift from main who the main character is mm-hmm. about halfway through. Uh, and I think it, it just takes guts to tell a story about this, this woman and then kill her off halfway through spoilers and then shift the focus to, Norman Bates and like his side of it um, because he becomes the main character at that point, like it, with yeah. him having to hide the body and get rid of the car. Like it becomes his story. And like he, the everyone connected to her thinks everything that happened was for another, like the fact that the two plots are tr- like the, the, the everyone that is looking for her wants the plots to be connected because of this one key thing which is the money and it, it's mm-hmm. not about the money at all and I, I, I just like that you have two different stories happening at once that don't exactly line up but at the same time rely on each other yeah, yeah it's really clever how it does that and, and to be fair that was the part that surprised me so I knew the Norman Bates like 
twist at the end with him. I knew that. Okay. What I didn't know is I didn't know that this movie changed main characters halfway through. I had no clue. I genuinely thought shower scene happened towards the end of the movie. <laughs> like, and then she, like, I don't know, survived and, like, discovered everything everywhere. anyway. Like, I didn't know that that was about the midway point, And I didn't know that she didn't actually survive the scene. That's incredible. You you thought that she survived the the infamous shower murder scene? Yeah, I did. I truly did. Or like, or that it was like one of those like weird like Twas Beauty that killed the beast like moments where like Oof. she was murdered, but then the detective was like, ah, it was too late. But at least we know about Norman now or something. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I I wasn't expecting it. Okay, so this this okay, so this realization kind of similar to Devon's happened mm-hmm. to me when, when I saw this in high school and referring back to when I saw this as like a, like a eight, nine, 10 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, I must've completely missed like, or didn't realize that the shower scene was the main character. Like I just thought it was like a random woman that was also at the motel because like I said, I was playing with my toys. I was looking up, I was zoning in and out, whatever. So, when you have the other her sister with the main with with the ex main character's boyfriend mm-hmm. um i guess as a kid i thought that was her sure i get it you know because it's you know as as a little kid and <laughs> you know, like the as a not preteen yet in the in the early to mid 90s watching a movie that was black and white that my parents were watching for their enjoyment and not really mine. I wasn't really paying attention to what the characters looked like that closely to be able to parse those two people apart. Um, I, I can kind of see where Devin, I can see where you kind of went that way because nothing's ever talked about this movie past the past, past, past the shower scene, right. except for the skull that is like, showing through on Norman Bates's face at the end. Like nobody really talks about anything else about this movie except for those two things. Look, first off, Ryan, you don't ever have to defend things you thought when you were eight years old. It's okay oh, to have thought they were the same person. <laughs> to give you a, a sense of where we're at here, around the same age, I was introduced to young Frankenstein and okay. couldn't get through the first five minutes because it was in black and white. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I love that movie now as an adult. With a yeah. fully formed brain, I get it. But like, yeah, man, it's totally fine that young you thought they were the same person. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if fully forms what I would call it. Uh, I dr- I did grow up drinking Newville water. Well, I, well, I was gonna say <laughs> Abby Normal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so um, one of these, uh, and so my wife was watching this with me, and mm. one of the scenes that her and I were kind of heckling, not really heckling, just kind of joking back and forth, was the, the scene from where she gets woken up on the side of the highway uh, by, the, by the cop mm-hmm. to the point where she buys the new car and drives off in a hurry. Was it pushy used car salesman is the worst character? Well, it's not really the worst character, just, like, how suspicious she was acting, how, how you know, like, overbearing the cop was. Like, everybody was playing their, like, emotional stakes to, like, 11. Like, every single person. Like, th- the cop was, was, you know, probably the most, like, quiet but stern performance as of a police officer I've seen um, in a movie till now. Um, she was acting more suspicious than she ever had to be. I mean, granted, she's nervous because of what she did. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's, you know, shaking like a chihuahua the entire time. And then you have the, the pushy car salesman that, you know, is trying to, is, uh, is trying to make a sale. Um, but then he's the one that, that's getting pressured. Like, that whole thing to us was just kind of humorous. And then the cop is on the other side of the street just staring at her the entire time. So we were just kind of, like, making comments back and forth at each other about that whole thing. I think what makes... So you're making me re-remember how much I appreciated the U-Card Salesman's deal. Because he was too much. He was at, like, an 11. 
Like, <laughs> the first line out of him is like, you're not trouble, huh? They always say the first customer's trouble. Are you trouble? And like, no, she's very clearly scared. Oh, we're in a hurry now, right? We miss. Stop it. It's like he had a quip for everything. I know we're going to talk about this later, but did you see that part in the remake comparison I sent you guys? No, I absolutely didn't. Pic- picture a modern day used car salesman. Turn that up to 11. And that's what he looks like. Shiny blue, like button down shirt, cowboy hat, all of Oh, it. gosh. No, don't ruin this. Do you know what I have in my head is Danny DeVito from Matilda. That's my used car salesman. Sleazier. Sleazy. Oh. And that's without audio. Like the, the video I was watching was just. <laughs> He's just oozes 90s sleaze. Yeah. Hold on. Do you guys know what that character's name is, by the way? No. no. I, I didn't even look it up. California Charlie. <laughs> that's oh. right. He says his name. He Alfred says his Hitchcock. Name. Well done. <laughs> you're not going to give. You're not going to give. California Charlie a bad rap, are you? You're gonna leave without without spinning it around. Is uh, that the only profession it's okay to to talk about yourself in the third person ever? To be honest, I think so. Because I've never <laughs> been like, are you ready to learn with Devin Struthers? Like, ugh. Well, see, well, I mean, that, Michael Jordan did that once, and he got a pass. But it, it's Michael Jordan. But he didn't do it uh, for like his his whole career. <laughs> I don't know if it's even acceptable for, for a used car salesman to do it. Like, they do, but they shouldn't. <laughs> uh. That's totally fair. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just remembering my every interaction with a used car salesman. My best one was someone walked up to me and go, so you buying it or what? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, well done. Okay, so um, I wanted to, to go over some... One little history nod comparison that I just I, I I couldn't. It still makes my brain hurt. So, did you guys see how much those cars were? Did you even look at the windows that they were when they were passing the cars well, to see the she, years and the cost? I know that she paid her car plus seven hundred. Okay, so it was night. The, the movie's nineteen sixty. Mm-hmm. Okay, the cars that were under like behind them as they were walking had. Had like 59, 58, 57. Mm-hmm. So, you know, late 50s models cars. On the windows, like 1200 1100 $1,100, $900. You know, like what you would probably expect. So I'm not going to... I could tell that you guys two were trying to stay away from some of the plot points in case someone hasn't really seen the movie yet. Yeah. But it, at some point, the the the... the the money amount of $40,000 comes up Yeah, mm-hmm. in, in this movie. So I decided to do the inflation adjustment <laughs> between okay. 1960 and 2023. And oh, man. it's uh, like $409,000 and $997. Whoa. Yeah, like so- it, it's... That is pretty accurate for what they did in the remake. They had to inflate the money too. It was adjusted from forty thousand to four hundred thousand. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. So yeah. Good. So, good job with yeah. Matt there. Uh, oh, Vince Vaughn. Like good job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Wait, is he the director? Him. No, he, he oh, plays good. Norman. Okay. He plays Norman Bates. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, cause, okay. So, Ryan, there was that – you had us watch a movie a long time ago where somebody, yeah, yeah. like, their car was ruined. And they were like, my $3,000 car. <laughs> and, like, nowadays we're like, that's adorable. I'll yeah. take a $3,000 car, please. Yeah. Um, it's – my my obsession with, like, watching older films and listening to dollar amounts and then automatically wanting to calculate that for inflation – came from the movie billy jack uh i i know in gilmore girls they make fun of billy jack um but i can't i can't i can't remember this the uh specific movie that my dad loved of that series but there's a scene where just like devin said billy jack has this mayor sheriff's son drive his brand new 1972 stingray camaro into a lake (laughs) Um, and 
the son starts flipping out like that's a five thousand dollar car are you nuts and he starts screaming at the top of his lungs and i look at my dad i'm like did he buy it used and he's like no that was a brand new price <laughs> so ever so so i mean like ever since then i've been obsessed with like the like inflation amount between when older movies said certain things cost to like now um and by uh and my last thing before we go to talking about the remake to this movie and and doing the the uh uh the uh the comparisons um hitchcock did the thing where he put himself in the background of all of the movies that he made or at least the later ones that he made that i know of um did you guys catch him in this one definitely not no no okay um this one is one is uh is uh more of the harder one uh to pick it happened within six to seven minutes of the movie starting and he walks uh he he either walks by the office window of the bank or investment firm that the main character works works at at the very beginning he's he's either walking by it or he's walking in a matter to make it look like he just walked out but I, i see a picture of it now yeah but he walks by the window and it happens very early at the start of the film so if anybody out there who likes to you know know that little factoid about these movies since there's a lot of people that are huge fans of his um that's one of the things that a lot of people look for so it happens really quick it happens within like six seven minutes at the start of the movie you told me that when we watched the birds and i went the next one we're gonna watch i'm gonna look out for him and then promptly forgot about it that's usually what happens with those movies i mean I'm sure if we were living in the late 50s, early 60s, and these movies were coming out, this this would be you two and me, possibly, with the way that you guys like movies for back then, if you were guys were the same movie nerds that you are now, I'm sure that you guys would be, like, trying to find that spot, and that'd be one of the things that people would talk about. Be like, where do you think he's going to come into in, in this movie? Um... It's fair. Yeah. It's totally fair. Yeah. Um, okay, so Alan, you sent Devin and I a little yes. snip video oh, of gosh. the remake from when again? Nineteen ninety-eight. So in nineteen ninety-eight, okay. the filmmaker Gus Van Zant decided to remake Psycho, shot for shot. Um, and let me let me uh, read his quote verbatim. As to uh, when asked why he wanted to remake the film in this manner, Van Zant responded, why not? It's a marketing scheme. Why does a studio ever remake a film? Because they have this little thing they've forgotten about and they could put it in the marketplace and make money from. Who is this awful, awful man? The no, di- I want this no, no. champion of truth. I want this oh. champion. Do, you, do you want to know what he directed before, right before Psycho? Because we've what? done it on the show. Was Good it one Will of my hunting. movies? Goodwill Good Good Will hunting. hunting? Yes. <laughs> what? He got off Goodwill Hunting. He's like, you know what I'm going to do next? Psycho. Again. Holy cow. Shot for shot. Uh, the Ugh. film the film stars Anne Heche, um, Julianne Moore, Viggo Mortensen, William H. Macy, and Vince Vaughn. Um, it's incredible. The cast is incredible. Uh, surprisingly... It uh, did not do well, <laughs> but uh, there are some diversions from the uh, 1960 film. We already mentioned the 40,000 becoming 400,000. Uh, obviously, it takes place in modern day. Um, during the scene where Norman Bates spies on Marion through the peephole as she undresses, it is explicit that Bates is... Um, uh, playing with the donut man uh oh, the use no. of sound effects as well as vaughn's performance which suggests base voyeuristic encounter ends with him um making a psycho face um oh gross oh that was oh don't yeah. do that <laughs> uh, uh van zandt also employed several surreal subliminal images that were Edited into the film's murder sequence, likened by horror writer Charles Derry as surreal memory fragments that flash before a character's eyes as they die. 
So like sub like a frame of I think it's like spiders and stuff. Oh, weird. Yeah. I'm gonna have to uh, watch that then. So the one thing that I like about it is that it's not just shot for shot, but they kept in so there's a lot of references to birds in Psycho, as in the main character's last name is Crane. Um, Norman Bates is into taxidermy, but he specifically likes to to, to, uh, taxidermy birds. I'm sure there's something in there. I couldn't find anything to explain what the meaning to all of that was. Um, But I love the fact that they still have... In in the shots that I saw that they still had a lot of the, like the bird portraits that he had up in the rooms, Mm. the taxidermy birds that he had in his office or the parlor, he called it, which I, I, I find a lot of, I find a lot of, uh, old style traditions. I don't know what else to call it. Not traditions, but just like the the fact that like the, the main office had a parlor is weird to me. Is it a waiting room now? Is it just a classier way to call it a waiting room? But it was behind the counter. I I would think of that as more of like a office. I mean, a parlor is not a weird thing. Like it's kind of like a little lobby. Like it's a motel. It's not going to be the Ritz Carlton. Well, well, I mean, I'm going to start referring to my houses in terms of those things. So I'm currently in my parlor. I'm going to walk out into my (laughs) den. (laughs) <laughs> next to my veranda into my master bed on the floor layout of my apartment this is the den <laughs> it's labeled it's a den. the den it's yeah. like... <laughs> um so yeah this the remake didn't do much but there were some uh other sequels to psycho no, there wasn't. Uh, Psycho two, Psycho th- Psycho two in nineteen eighty three, Psycho three in nineteen eighty six, Psycho four: The Beginning, which is a part prequel TV movie written uh, t- to take place before the movie. Um, there's also Bates Motel, which is a TV series that ran from twenty thirteen to twenty seventeen. I think that one mm-hmm. I knew about. Yeah, um, which featured. Uh, Freddie Highmore as a young Norman Bates, Vera Farminga as N- Norma Bates. Really, her name's Norma, and uh, he's Norman. Norman, uh, uh, that's funny. And then in the final season, Rihanna as Marion Crane. What? Yeah, that's very cool. I kind of want to watch this show because I've heard good things about it. But w- what was interesting to me is, uh, I guess they featured the making of this in the uh, 2012 biopic Hitchcock, which oh, stars. Fun. Anthony Hopkins as Alfred Hitchcock, Helen Mirren as his wife, Scarlett Johansson as Janet Lee, and hmm. James D- James Darcy as Anthony Perkins, who played um, Norman Bates. So I oh, guess they fun. recreate shots of Psycho in that. So, and actually, here. So I'm looking up ratings on the sequel to the Psycho films. Mm-hmm. And I find this very interesting because usually like sequels to movies like this, because like I probably saw the posters for Psycho 2 and 3. I just bypassed them because it's not that I didn't connect them. It's just my mind goes to, well, I've never heard of these. So they were probably awful, you know, like mm-hmm. Jaws 3. Um, yeah. And so I, um, IDVM has it at a 6.6. Rotten Tomatoes at a 61, and Letterbox has it at a 3.4 out of 5. I'm very surprised that those are that high. I mean, I just looked it up. It's some, There are some articles that say that it's a misunderstood classic. What, Psycho 2? Yeah. yeah I, mm. I mean, they had Anthony Perkins back as, as Norman Bates. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, I think that enough is, that's incredible enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, I'm sorry I laughed, but when you guys get a chance, look up the poster to Psycho 3. I'm going to right now. It's yeah. an animated Norman Bates handing you a room key, and it is the funniest thing I've seen today. I hate it. Why would you <laughs> do this? I would definitely stay at that motel. Um. <laughs> uh. Now, um... 
Hollywood Studios, uh, Disney, uh, Walt Disney World, Florida, the Hollywood Studios, uh, the Hollywood Studios Park. That's the, that's that's uh, that's the one that has the Tower of Terror. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, off to the side is Norman Bates's house on a hill. Oh, no way. It's it's sized proportioned so that when you walk by, you can see it. Um, I don't think they have the Bates Motel set up, but they definitely. I remember that being there. Uh, they do I, have stuff that's not Disney owned in the park. I was going to say there. they do have they do have the Bates Hotel, ba- oh, okay. Bates Motel, and the house at Universal yeah. Studios because Universal made this movie. They yeah. have that. They have that in Hollywood. Yeah, they have yeah. the original one there, and it's real yeah. cool because during Halloween Fright Nights, they make the hotel and the house like part of the attraction. So you that's get to like cool. walk through the hotel and like walk through the house, and they have yeah. like the mom in a rocking chair and a window. It's so cool. Yeah, the, the 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 Hollywood Studios part of Disney World Florida, they have like the Bates house like off to the side of where yeah. the Tower of Terror is. That's fun. I remember yeah. they used to have the Golden Girls house. Did they? Yeah. Where yeah. was this? Is this in the, Well, they had the in Florida at Disney World. Oh Hollywood wow. Studios. They they had the backlot tour and they, that was part of the back, backlot. Is that still so, there, the backlot tour? No. Oh. No, they got rid of it to put in uh, Star Wars Land. Um, yeah. Arguably yeah. a better call. It, it, it's a much better. I, I know there's a lot of hardcore Gilmore, uh, Gilmore Girls, Golden Girls fans out there, but uh, yeah, no, that was a much better financial option for them. Yeah, <laughs> because guess what? The Star Wars Land isn't closing after a year, so... Ah, uh, but the hotel is. The hotel is. Oh, I'm glad you know That's about what that. happens when you charge an arm and a leg for a night. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. they're. I think they're going to rebrand it and make it the Golden Palace, the spinoff from the Golden Girls, and just have Don <laughs> Cheadle running the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing, and that hurts. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's that's the Psycho remake. I highly recommend you guys checking out the whole um, comparison thing because it. It's weird because evidently William H. Macy, who plays the private detective, decided to like not do what everyone else is doing and make it modern. He just like, no, I'm just going to do what he did and like plays it the same way. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, that kind of works. Okay, so besides the wrapping everything up, Mm -hmm. you can't have an older horror film. Um, that scared the living daylights out of people. And there's, uh, and there's video and, uh, you know how for like modern horror movies and like the advertisements, they'll, 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 they'll show the, the like test screen audiences like screaming. I personally hate that, but they have video of the test screen audiences from this movie. And it's really funny seeing people freak out about this one. Um, because I mean, modern were what 70 70 years 80 years removed from 1960 mm-hmm. um and it's very funny just to like see a movie that's this you know that it, it's done really well it is disturbing it is unsettling but compared to a lot of the stuff that we've seen <laughs> since then there are parts of this that kind of like, okay, that was disturbing. That's become a trope. You know, this has become something I've seen on daytime TV that like, it doesn't really kind of hold. It's like, you know, shock level. Um, and to where, to where some of it makes it funny. Um, and besides the moment when she's buying the car that, that my wife and I were making comments to each other about the other part is when he goes to sink, um, crane's car, in the lake and it stops for a split second now the reason why that's funny to Kristen and I well it was it was humorous to us because we were making comments to each other we've been watching a lot of those like dive channel stuff on YouTube where where the divers go out and they not specifically go out to find cars but they just go to like hunt in a lake and they occasionally find a car and it was just interesting seeing him trying to sink the car and then it like stops and I'm just like up He's got to throw bushes on it. It's not going to go all the way down. <laughs> but there are things in these older movies, even 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 though they're done so well, that 
don't really hold up in the level of like how tense that they were before doesn't really hold up to now. Was there any moments like that? I mean, they don't have to be like comedic, but was <laughs> there anything that was supposed to that that was supposed to be tense that you could tell was supposed to be, but just the disconnect between that style to today just didn't hold it for you. If that question makes any sense at all. It does. No, it totally does. I had that moment in the shower scene when I I feel like a very impactful shot in this is you see Norman approaching the shower from like, like you're, you're in the shower, the camera's in the shower with, with the, the victim and you see him approaching, you see a silhouette in the shower screen having just watched him peeking in on her, there's that moment of, oh, what is he going to do? And, like, that, I think, was, like, I know what he's going to do because I live in 2023 and know what's going to happen. But for me, like, I guess that would have been a lot more tense had I just seen it for the first time. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything like that for me. Um... I couldn't. I can't really think of anything. That's fine. I think what it took the the only thing that jumps out at me is probably the back and forth between him and the mother, like the the dialogue. Mm. Because like I'm trying to figure out, listening to it, like I was trying to figure out, like, did they do it in one take? Like, is he talking like this? Then talking like this in the next next line, and then talking like this to himself. Like, yeah. was he doing it like that, or did they? do a voiceover artist and have an actual voice of the mother. Like just that kind of thing. Like th- mm. just the tonal differences and trying to figure out if the, the voice matched enough or not. Um, yeah. But that's just it's really me. interesting. Yeah. And, th- and there's other moments where like she's driving and they do the voiceover of conversations that aren't happening in, in, you know, earshot of her, like her yeah. boss and like her coworker are talking about, you know, wh- where is she as she's driving? And it took me honestly about 15 seconds to be like, okay, that conversation's actually happening. Hitch Hitchcock wants me to know that she's nervous about that conversation happening. That is the conversation that is happening. And that's where she is when it's happening. That's how I took it. Um, I, just, I figured it was just her thinking through a scenario in her head. To be honest. And that's probably it too, because I, to be honest, that that's how the conversation would have gone out anyway. Yeah, but if you but if you compare that to like Norman at the end, like I think yeah. I I lean more towards that's her playing it out in her head. Because mm-hmm. if that's the voice voices in her head having that conversation, then you hear the, in that last shot, you hear the mother's voice in his head telling him yeah. everything that she says. Like I think it plays more, it plays better that way. Like I, I agree that it could be both. I think it plays better yeah. as the voice in the head, where you actually have like yeah. voices, like scenarios playing out, mm-hmm. or yeah. like the voice of your dead mother. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's all. Um, that's all I got. Uh, the last movie that I'm going to have you guys watch before we do. Uh, high, um, high anxiety is going to be Vertigo, unless you both have seen it. Have you seen it, Alan? I have not. Oh, okay, good. Okay, so that uh, that uh, that may or may not be my next pick uh, because I don't know if I want to break this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, if it's going to but... get us to Mel Brooks, don't. <laughs> I want to get to Mel Brooks. You, you, you want to get to Mel Brooks? I love yeah. Mel Brooks. Okay, so then Vertigo will be the next movie three weeks from now. <laughs> I also love Vertigo. Good. Four weeks. Four weeks. Yeah. Four weeks. Four weeks. That's yeah. right. Uh, on that note, uh, we will be taking next week off because Devin will be in town. And instead of doing a whole podcast show thing, we're going to uh, we're gonna go to the movies together because yeah. we can. Um with great power comes great responsibility. So we're going to go see Spider-Man. Maybe we'll record a little something to, th- to throw out there. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, we're going to take next week off. And I th- are we taking the, the following week off too? I, yeah, I can't be on the following week. We're taking the next two weeks off, folks. So <laughs> Summer break. Summer, summer break. break. Uh, my, my summer break starts 
tomorrow afternoon. So, yeah, yeah. we're gonna take a, we're gonna take some time off. Uh, maybe maybe Ryan and I will be back the following week. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely taking next week off. So don't expect a show from us next week. Expect some fun stuff from us next week, but not that. We'll still miss not, you. Not a full show. We we got we have some fun plans outside of the podcast, uh, uh, and we have a, a wedding to attend. So Devin Ooh. and I will be uh, tuxedoing it up. Friend of the show, uh, Chad. Yeah, friend of the show, Chad. Um, so until then, if you want to see all of our fun adventures with Devin back in the states, make sure to follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook. And get caught up on some older episodes of You Have to Watch This Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, uh, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, everywhere. And if you want to watch the show and see our pretty faces, uh, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel where we have a backlog of all of our video podcasts there as well. Um, you can also visit rumrunnerspodcastnetwork.com to check out all of the other Rum Runners Network uh, shows there. And you can come see us and Rum Runners at Harrisburg Comic and Pop Con on August 28th and 27th, uh, where we will be doing some giveaways, maybe selling some stuff. It'll be a lot of fun. So come see us there. Until next time, for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. Ree, 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 ree.